Goede avond. That is good evening in Dutch. I'm practicing my Dutch, so there you go today. And I'm giving you that because Amala is not here today, but today it is Will and Alan Estrin live. Alan, how you doing? Great. I'm doing great, Will. So Alan, Pleasure to be here. If you guys don't know Alan, you might have seen him on some of our other shows or any of the other things we do here at PragerU. And if you haven't seen him there, you've definitely felt his influence with everything with PragerU. Alan has essentially PragerU was, was your brainchild, is your development. So everything that we have now at PragerU is because of you. And I can't deny will I can't no, you deny. Can't, listen you don't have to be modest all the time okay sometimes it's, it's fine but this is this is true and it's a, a big deal because of what it's prager you has done and well you're here achieved so the, uh, for that alone for i'm all alone right the whole thing's been a giant victory right none of us have to be modest we can all we can all feel very proud about what we've done but I wanted to bring you on today. He's the executive director here at PragerU. And so I wanted to bring you on today because, I mean, you know, anytime I'm having questions about a lot of the stuff that's going on in the news, things that I don't really understand, things where it seems like no one is actually saying the truth. You go on Twitter and you can't find out what's actually happening that's true. And that's what's been going on right now with this Russian Ukraine crisis that I've come to you and we've had a few long conversations about this. And I said, why don't we get Alan on the show to actually talk about it? Because I don't think anybody has any clue what's going on. And I'm seeing people right now who are people who I really respect in the conservative space, the political space, even just the cultural space, who I've really respected, who are coming out with these these bogus takes on what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, where people are coming and thinking they're these huge foreign policy experts now. And it seems like from every side of the political aisle, I mean, you're hearing nothing but but some sort of propaganda or some fabrication of the truth. And I guess my question is to you, what do you think is really going on with this whole crisis? What is the, 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 the basis of the problem? Well, what you started to talk about at, at, at the beginning, you're really describing what there's a concept makes a lot of sense called the fog of war. There's so much we don't know what's going on because you have propaganda efforts on behalf of the Russians. They're putting out propaganda. So are the Ukrainians, which is what happens when a war is on. So there are there's so much that's so confusing flying all over the place and per usual amplified over social media. Not easy to know what's actually happening on the ground. You, you sort of have to just piece it together the best you can. On the other hand, there is some enormous clarity going on, and that is in the frame of Russia, Putin, bad guys, Ukrainians, the good guys. That part is very clear. You can't roll tanks into a across a country's border and then think that people are going to believe you've done something good for some very vague reason that no one can figure out except you. And now we're in a situation where all kinds of wild, crazy things are happening. For instance, Putin just says uh, out of the blue, uh, we're putting our nuclear deterrent on alert. What, what's that all about? What's his nuclear t deterrent? What does that have to do with Ukraine? We're going to stop, start firing missiles at who? So it's, it's the deeper you get into a war situation, the deeper the fog gets. And that, that's where we are right now. Do you think that it, it comes down to, a, I mean, what you're seeing from the left right now, especially, and a lot of the, I guess you could call them neoconservative types, is it seems like 
a big push for getting, you know, maybe it's America involved more than it already is, where people are saying, you know, something has to happen. America has to get down there or Europe has to go and do something. NATO has to do something to do this. When you when you hear these types of claims, what, what do you think? Do you think that there is more involvement on the U.S.'s part that we should be doing? I don't think the U.S. should be doing more than it's doing now. It's, ac- it's actually doing the only thing more that the U.S. should be doing is giving, as far as I can tell, is giving arms to the Ukrainians to help them fight. They're up against they're certainly overmatched militarily. So I, I see no disadvantage. We've done it many times in the past. This is a, as clear a case as I can see to helping arm someone a, a, a country that who who's in a conflict that we support their side over the other side. So that aside from that, the other very interesting thing about this is that the world, even the left and the right are more united in general opposition to Russia and what Putin is doing than they have been on anything since I have to say since nine 11. Yeah. Do you think that there's when I'm looking at the world right now out of the lens of COVID and from looking at the lens of COVID and then seeing everything that when I was a liberal or Amala was a leftist and then becoming conservative and seeing how much we've been lied to. Right. And I saw George Soros today. I don't know if you saw this. He tweeted support of Ukraine. Which yeah. Anytime, is, anytime. Look, it, it, yeah. this is where it, it, it gets confusing on the one hand and it is a, 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 a sign of unity as it were on the other when George Soros says something, you immediately your immediate reaction is, I, I have to believe the opposite of whatever he's yeah. saying. So if he says something and you agree with it, that truly is cognitive dissonance. Yeah. But it's possible. It's possible in the in rare cases you could find yourself on the same side of George Soros and this looks to be one. I mean otherwise what what is the what's the alternative to say, hey, and, and and people on the right, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what the left is saying on this, but people on the right have been saying, look, let's just stay out of it. It's 6,000 miles away. Who, who cares? We, we, it doesn't involve the U.S. I don't want to send money. I don't want to send, certainly don't want to send troops, which I don't think anybody does. Right. But it's, it's very, uh, as I said at the outset, a very clear cut case of who's good and who's bad. You don't get that vi- all that often in yeah. world affairs, but it seems to be the case here. Yeah. I mean, you brought it up earlier about the levels of propaganda. And I think that, I mean, you can look at stuff on Ukraine and think propaganda. You can think, look at stuff on Russia and think propaganda. I mean, there was that picture that was posted of this supposed Ukrainian model. I don't know if you saw this. And she was holding a rifle and the rifle ended up being an airsoft gun. And there's some Ukrainian girl who's supposed to be apparently fighting in, in the war or something. It seemed, there was a lot of those kinds of things. I mean, we could go through examples. And so I guess asking about that, you're saying, uh, talking about Russia being the bad guy, and this is where we are. Russia is definitely the bad guy. There's no doubt about that. But do you think that there could be kind of more of a, I guess, maybe a nuanced approach that says, hey, Ukraine isn't all that great either. Russia isn't that great. Is it even necessary for America and all these Americans to even pick a side? Well, in this case, I think it is. I think I think America does have to pick a side, and it's not hard. Yeah. It's just not hard in this case. I mean, tanks rolling across a border, uh, totally unprovoked. I mean, there there was no what 
if you ask anybody what was the precipitating incident, what convinced Russia that they had to go across the Ukrainian border, nobody could tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. They just did it. Yep. And that kind of naked aggression is very rare. Yep. And in this case, completely from a Western point of view, inexplicable. Yep. And in doing so, the guy shattered a understanding that it existed for 70 years, 75 years following World War II. There's been no, no example of one country in Europe attacking another country in Europe since, since, uh, since World War II, since, since the Nazis went, into, went, went across Europe, starting with Poland. So it's hard to tell, but when you're, when you're talking about this and you're talking about Putin, I mean, do you think that this is according to plan? Do you think it's going how he thought it was going to go? Or do you think that it's all kind of turned into shambles and no one really knows what's going to happen? Well, I certainly don't think it's, this has gone the way he thought it would go. Right. I Why think it's that? been an utter disaster for Russia on every possible front. I think militarily, I think I'm... I mean, I'm, of course, I'm just guessing. I think right. he thought he was just going to roll in and he underestimated the Ukrainian people. He underestimated Zelensky. He underestimated, I think, the European response. I think he thought he had all this leverage with with the natural gas because Germany is gets into 40 percent of its its natural gas from which it's desperately needs from yeah. Russia, yeah. that he had all this leverage. I the unit, the, the way Europe has unified against Russia, where you have Germany for the first time since the end of the war sending arms to another country. It never, it hasn't done that before. The Germans have been just, just this side of pacifistic mm -hmm. since World War II. Yeah. Now they just suddenly have in, increased their defense budget. Mm -hmm. The Switzerland is is uh, cutting Russia out of its banking system. All these, everybody's kind of jumping into this effort to stop stop Russia. Where it goes is a very difficult question to ask because depending on on Russian reaction, I mean, I don't know what other cards Putin has to play, but if he goes, if he really has lost his marbles and there's no one to speak frankly to him how bad the situation situation is it's i don't know where it's headed but i can tell you this it's going to the russian people are going to be very quickly going to be suffering a lot of pain well we know somewhat where it's headed because we were talking i mean our administration was talking with china and then china was relaying that information to russia essentially going behind our back i don't know if you saw this on tucker carlson the the other night where we were talking to China, and then they were relaying information back to, to Russia. So it seems to me that this whole thing... You mean giving confidential information, yes, giving presumably? Confiden yes, giving confidential yeah. information yeah. to Russia. And it seems like this, you know, it might be easier to believe Putin is not knowing what he's doing, but then when you have that happening in China and Russia potentially merging into some type of partnership, it seems like they do know a little bit more that, that is going on than maybe we've been led to believe. That that could be certainly it could be, but that doesn't mean that the inform just because they have information or confidential information of if in fact that's true that it's it makes any difference. Once you start a war, you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Th this is this is a, a big part of the risk of getting into any conflict, whether you're on the right side or the wrong side. Mm -hmm. 
let me ask. It seems, you know, we're, we're doing all these sanctions. All these European countries have come across and they've said, hey, we're going to sanction. We're going to send arms to, to Ukraine. We got the, the energy stuff happening. All these different things, the SWIFT in, in Switzerland. But you're not hearing about anyone doing that with China. China has committed horrendous human rights violations, killed a lot more people than Russia has in Ukraine over the last week. I mean, 400 million people just in abortions from, from the Chinese government, right? And so no one is, is sanctioning any of them or doing anything to China. Does that make you somewhat think that maybe what America or these other countries are doing when it comes to Russia is not really for a, a moral reason, that it's more for some sort of economic or cultural or or power sustainability well reasons. in this case it, it really doesn't i mean the the world's a very complex case a very complex the world is very complex there's a term real politic where which essentially means you have to make all kinds of decisions which contradict your position you make a decision about this circumstance contradicts your position over here. It's it's just really the way the world works. The thing that is so distinguishing about this particular conflict is it, it truly is so black and white, which is why you have this unbelievable unity uh, across the world. It's the world against Russia. Even China has sort of stepped aside. Yeah. And there have been these, these interesting unexpected silver linings we talked about one the fact that germany is now muscling up militarily they've kind of recognized they, they've been playing patty cake with 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 russia for decades now all of a sudden they see russia as a as a real threat that's that's probably a good thing the other interesting thing that i don't think anybody's talking about is that i think the situation in the ukraine has made the idea any Chinese plans for attacking or taking over Taiwan much less likely because the Chinese have seen how the world has united against Russia, has made Russia a pariah nation. Do you think there's more reliance on China around the world than there is for Russia? Like the world is much more reliant on China? Yes, than Russia. I think it would be a different scenario if, if Yeah, China the world may be... Well, the... the and China is very, very reliant on the world because yes, China is an exporting nation. Right. And they can't cut off markets around the world. Right. I, I think it's much, there's much less of a chance that you're going to see China move on Taiwan. At, at the beginning of all this, do you remember everybody was saying, well, Taiwan is next, it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen now. Yeah. I, I, and the Chinese have ironically learned a lesson from from russia i mean putin as it were went first yeah <laughs> didn't it hasn't gone well right how do you think he's going to get out of this i don't know i mean I, I i'm hoping i didn't hear about what happened with the peace talks i don't think they've released everything that happened but i mean if everything well, nobody well, announced then... i as far as we know no one's announced even a ceasefire no i have no idea what's happening in belarus and, and everything i have no idea so I, again, just like we said last week when we were looking at this, I mean, we had no idea what would have even happened over the Right. Weekend, I think that's a great you know? point. I think it's a great point. So we're, we're talking now what's happening five days in, yeah. 10 days in, may, the situation may be totally different. Right. Maybe, maybe Russia 
consolidates its position as in total control of Ukraine in five more days. I mean, I don't know. No one knows. You can't. Nobody can predict the future. And this situation has certainly been unpredictable. Right. And for all the viewers who are watching, I think it's very important right now that, you know, even that I'm doing with Alan right now, I mean, I'm asking some more difficult questions. And I think what most people are just thinking in the mainstream or the mainstream conservative answer. I think that everyone who's watching right now has to be able to a- ask difficult questions about this situation. Well, I think you make a, it's a great point. Well, you for, you need to ask difficult questions. You need to look for answers to these difficult questions. But And at the same time, you have to keep an open mind because things are very fluid. You certainly can't trust much of anything you hear because, as I said, this, uh, the, this concept, which is very important, the fog of war, you'll hear, you, you will hear all kinds of things that will later turn out not to be true. Right. But... To make the situation even more complex, you do need to to ask yourself who's right and who's wrong, and if to the extent you can you can lock into that position, then you should you should frame your viewpoint along those lines. And in this case, as I keep stressing, it's pretty straightforward. I don't think the U.S. reaction is about uh, economics. I th- I think we are taking a moral position, which is Russia has done something very wrong. They have upset the world order for no good reason. And the idea that they need, I mean, you've hear all, all these reasons why Putin did what he did because he's, he believes that Ukraine is part of Russia. Okay. And they need Ukraine because they need the, the land boundary in case they're what invaded by by Germany, Hungary, England's going to invade Russia. I mean, it's 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 really it's absurd, right? And I don't think we should excuse Putin's actions by saying, "Well, you have to see it from his point of view." Okay, you could see it from his point of view. That doesn't mean his point of view is correct or makes mm-hmm. any sense. He may have a point of view. It doesn't mean it's right. What do you think about the Americans reacting to it? Because I'm going on social media and I think it's been pretty terrible what I've seen out of Americans, especially when it comes to how the left is reacting to it, where leftists are coming and saying, Ukraine, uh, I'm so glad that they now have arms to defend themselves. I'm so glad that Ukraine is defending its border. I'm so glad that Ukraine is defending its history and its sovereignty. But then when it comes to America or a Western country, then it's it's no, you can't defend your borders. You can't have firearms. You can't uh, defend your history and sovereignty. But for some reason, when it comes to Ukraine, that's totally fine yeah this kind of hypocrisy is very tough to take and there's no excuse for it on the same hand we have to be able to separate each issue out from the other issue on the one issue of ukraine and russia Okay, so maybe we're, we find ourselves in agreement with the left. That's that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Right. If we can have unity on, on this one issue, uh, I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't have to oppose the left. If the, if the left moves to a position which I agree with, okay, then we, then we agree. On the issue of the southern border where we so utterly disagree, that's that's a separate issue. Is it hypocritical that they the left says great 
Ukraine is defending its borders. That's what any country should do. Any country has the right to do. And then we let millions of people in our southern border. That's effect effectively. We have no border control. We don't essentially have a southern border. No, that that it's it's obviously contradictory. It's a paradox. It's it's whatever you want to call it. It's not good. I mean, that's what makes me skeptical of everything when you see that, because what's happening on our southern border, I mean, you could you could classify it as an invasion, what is happening. I mean, and not just because people are looking for a better life. I mean, they're bringing, many of them, drugs, child sex trafficking, human trafficking, gang members, crime, all sorts of things that are coming over the southern border. Not all of them, but there's, I mean, all the, I think it's like, what, four out of five women who come over the southern border are, are, are sex trafficked? You know, that, those are terrible numbers that are happening there. It, it, and, and, and to see that happen, and for many of these people to know, because, I mean, you go back in history and look at Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, they said we should have a border wall. They knew it back then, but now they're changing their position. It seems like they know the moral implications of what they're doing, but for some reason, it's like, oh, oh well, let's, we forget about it now. And that, to me, is, is, is what makes me so skeptical of everyone. And then the COVID stuff and, and everything with climate change, which we'll get into in a little bit with energy independence, but it's, it's hard. It just, it's so hard to know, you know? It just makes me not want to trust anything. I tweeted about this today that my, my go-to now is to look at something as a lie until I can actually prove that it's true. And I hate that I think that way. I hate that I'm so cynical about everything in the news right now. But it's just gotten to a point where I just don't know, I don't know what to trust at all. Well, let me ask you then, because my, my position here is that I'm separating out Ukraine-Russia from every other issue. I'm just right. saying it's the issue of the moment. There's general agreement on what the course of action should be, mm-hmm. and I'm focused on that. Yeah. Do you disagree? And I'm, I, It's totally fine with me, of course, if you do. Right. But do you find fault with what is happening vis-a-vis the U.S. policy toward Ukraine, the Ukraine-Russia situation, Put, putting everything else aside, if we were just to isolate this one issue, would you do anything differently than we've done now? No, I mean, I think the sanctions were actually very harsh, as we talked about before. I mean, I think that, that many of those things were good. It's just, from my point of view, when I look at our administration, and the media, and the people in charge, it's, it's hard for me to do that and to separate it from these other things, because my trust was already hanging by a thread for any of these people to think that they could put out anything credible. You know, but I think that in terms of the the American uh, reaction to all of this, it hasn't been as terrible as as many of us expected, as many conservatives expected it to be. Right. Well, at we we there there is one area where maybe this is a good transition. Yeah. One area where I think the administration has been very remiss in its response to the Ukraine Russia yes. situation. Yes. And that is this this would be a great time for the administration to say, look, energy independence is obviously of paramount importance to us and to Europe. Right. Yeah, what's going to so happen when Russia now, turns the gas off? Yeah, so now let's reassess, we the left, let's reassess our position on energy and instead of s- shutting everything down, meaning stopping f- fracking wherever we can, mm-hmm. shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, that no... It's clear we need we need as much energy as possible. So we're going to change our policy as a result. We, we, we've sobered up as a result of seeing what has happened. Just the opposite is happening. The, the administration's position has been, well, this just demonstrates that we need more solar panels and more 
wind turbines, mm -hmm. which we know cannot in any way, shape, or form prov provide us with the energy that we need. Right. If you wanted to power just the state of Texas with wind and solar, it would be the size of Houston's entire county just to, to power it. I mean, it's just Right, massive. but it, that, even that wouldn't work because we don't have the batteries to store right. the power. No. And obviously power doesn't help airplanes or cars or anything having to do with transportation. No. Not to mention the, ma the oil is involved in so many things, making it manufacturing. You need oil to even mine the ingredients for, of for course, the you have to, for, Yeah, yeah because everything. you have to have the big those big uh, trucks and mm -hmm. sh shovels to, to get the, the materials out of the earth. Right. I think one thing that these people, or maybe they do realize it again, this is I'm so skeptical about all this stuff, but carbon levels have capped in European union and in America, right? If you look, I mean, if, if Europe and America were to shut off their, their, all their energy today for the next year, I mean, the energy output would still be basically the same from India and China for the next, you know, 10 years or so. Right. CO2. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah. The U.S. has actually very little with to right. do. Sa same with Europe. Yeah. You know, but these are the ones who are the most worried about it. Right. For, for, for God knows why. But again, I want to get We can get into this article real quick. This one uh, that, that came out from The Guardian today. Uh, or a couple of days ago, about the climate crisis report as what is at stake in short, everything. So it's about a new IPCC study, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which came out uh, is based on this. This yeah, new this assessment. actually came out today. Oh, this came out today. Yeah, okay. yeah. Was, yeah. So what they say in the the new IPCC study, which they I it seems like they do this like once every month or something. Well, you have to read the study because the last IPCC study that everyone referenced said, "Hey, the world's going to end." Didn't say that. It didn't say that the world was going to end. It said that right. If uh, you actually, this is this Steve Coonan argument. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 Obama administration uh, science advisor who actually read the report. Right. Which no, the, these people in the Guardian never do. No. They but don't the need amazing to. thing about this is that that report came out. I wasn't it was like three months ago. Yeah. So this yeah. is a new report. Yep. That says the world is going to end again mm -hmm. in in some in, indeterminate future. Is it we're we're all, we're all doomed unless we change well, the world our ways, and, and it's all in twenty one hundred. So right. Not to mention, look, I mean, we're now in. Aren't we in year four of the twelve years? Until the twelve years. So we got yeah. like eight years left. I know. This this report says that we have to keep. The world under below 1.6 centigrade. I don't know. I can't remember what how to convert that to Fahrenheit, but it's I don't know, like three degrees Fahrenheit okay. or something. Um, by 2100, yeah, we're 2100. So mm -hmm. like I'm I'm worried about 2100. Sorry, I'm not right. And, and, and the whole thing is, but but as we were talking about um, before the show, it. And, and it so often happens when you actually read the full article, you you get to what it's all about, and that comes about three quarters into this article. Maybe, maybe we can post it. Yeah, yeah, we can. I can read it out. Um, let me just say one thing real quick. Yeah, they're talking in this article about rising sea levels, right? Which is one of the most laughable things. Right. Thinking that people can't move, or right. that that it's just going to be tsunamis everywhere. I mean, the Netherlands, with Ava, she's from the Netherlands, she knows this better than anyone. Right. I mean, they live under sea level. Right. Right. And That's they've been right. able to manage their society and be able to be just fine. Well, yeah, they 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 reclaimed land. Yeah, of course. the The airport is under 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 uh, under sea level. Mm -hmm. The airport, the international airport. Right. Right. 
innovation can solve many of the problems. Human it? beings are very adaptable. We've always adapted to climate conditions around us. We'll right. continue to adapt. Right. But back the, in the day, like the, the ancient cultures, if you look at ancient cultures of history, you'll find that many of them had climate gods because at that time right. they couldn't control the climate. Right. So they would sacrifice or pray to climate gods to control it. Well, it's not even clear we can control it. I mean, right. I don't, I, you know, who, we, we can, can control, control the climate. We can control the, the, the implications. And the best way it. to control it is by building machines and moving people around right which requires massive amounts of energy of course you know i mean if if uh if, if we have to move further inland because the seas rise we can do it right of it's course not, we it's, can. Not, it's not like it can't be done or you you do some sort of dredging operation there are all kinds of things you could do right and uh, but it requires energy this is the amazing thing i mean bjorn Lom lomberg makes this point and alex epstein makes this point all the things that we need to do to make the earth more livable to begin with involved energy mm -hmm. We've made the world, we've, we've tamed nature as it were, but if we're going to have any control, it, which it's, it's us versus nature. That's the way it's always been. Right. It takes massive, massive amounts of energy. We need more energy, not less. Right. Alex Epstein, he even makes the argument that if climate change is real and it's, and it's by this 1.6 centigrade that they're talking about, right. that's actually not even a bad thing. Because you're actually opening up a lot of places that are uh, not sustainable for farming, actually right. becoming more tropical, right. actually it's better. Yeah. You actually open up more land and more rainfall in some of these places to actually help more arid well, climate. Well, this is again, you know, Pat, Patrick Moore, another guy. Right. We, we, by the way, we have PragerU videos from all these people, which yeah. are great. Yeah. Five-minute videos. You guys can yeah. check them all out. Yeah. Sure. But Patrick Moore makes the point, and I think Alex Epstein agrees, that more CO2 just means more green parts of the earth. Right. More places where you, you can grow stuff. Right. This is where the leftists come in and say, we're just shilling for the fracking billionaires here by saying but, this. It, but in this article, they, they get to the real, yeah. Yeah, the so real core. Here's what they say. So the IPCC report is also crystal clear that adapting to the climate crisis is as much a social problem as a scientific Say one. what? What? The what, best what, way what, what, to give effective and lasting protection from climate chaos is through action that addresses inequities such as those based on gender, ethnicity, gender? disability, what, age, location, and what? income. What does that have to do with the climate, the global warming? Well, gender? I mean, it, it goes on, Will. It goes on. You got you to gotta keep coats. reading. You got to keep reading. Targeting a climate-resilient, sustainable world involves fundamental changes to how society functions, including changes to underlying values, worldviews, ideologies, social structures, political and economic systems, and power relationships. Yeah, I, I, I don't. What is a power relationship, by the way? Do you have any idea what that means? Uh, all I can think about it is in kind of a, you know, like a fetish type more, of sense. More, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that's a good. That's as good a guess as any. Yeah. This may feel overwhelming at first, but the world is changing anyway. Climate resilient development offers us a way to drive to drive change to improve well-being for all. Yeah, so just, get rid of, just get rid of capitalism. That's all. That's all we have right. to do. This is just like this is truly undiluted, pure Marxism. Yeah, I mean, it's right out of the World Economic Forum's playbook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day there's something new. Whether it's the economy that needs to be changed, the climate right. change, but the, they never tell you how, why exactly how much how much is it going to cost who's going to be dislocated who has to pay there's never never do they give you one single detail well klaus schwab i don't know if you just saw his latest that came out this is about two weeks ago and it was all about climate change klaus schwab if you guys don't know is world economic forum guy 
And he put the, out gra- his, the global reset guy. Yes, yes, yeah. the great reset guy. Yeah. So he just the great out, reset. He just yeah. put out a new one. Uh-huh. Uh, it was about I forget the name of it. Someone maybe in the comments will understand. But it was about climate change, and he said that one of the problems is that we have to. The sun is so bright, we have to blot out the sun. We have to find a way to make sure that Americans can control the sun by blotting it out. I mean, it's just nuts. He actually nut- says that? Something so he- very akin to that. I can send it to you after, yeah, after this, yeah. but it's it's quite Blot nuts out the saying. sun. But the worst, again, in that article, which is so important, which again, is why I get so skeptical about things, is because he, by name, calls out groups of people who are these climate deniers who mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. are the same people who, who deny mask wearing for COVID and, yeah. and uh, are these religious extremists, all these types of people, right? You know, when they're talking about really just conservatives or people well, who love freedom. The White know? House has just convened or about to convene a conference in which the panelists are going to discuss how they can combat climate climate denialism and denialists mm-hmm. because they they're so convinced that a catastrophe is waiting for us that we 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 really don't want to hear any more right. from these climate change skeptics mm-hmm. well they're going to work directly with with facebook and instagram and twitter i mean they yeah. already do yeah. i mean they got yeah, the they already do I mean, did you see, there was that article about those, those fact checkers for Facebook. Some of them are found, the National Pulse did this one, where those fact checkers from Facebook were this group of Pakistani guys who uh, were like high school dropouts basically. And they're these fact checkers that are supposed to go through and check this stuff. Yeah. And, and they're the ones who are working with our government to make sure that people have the right information on social media. You know, one of the biggest videos that I ever got in trouble for on the PragerU Facebook that got us in, in trouble for what, three months, Taylor? You remember this? The polar bear video. Yeah, the polar bears. The yeah, polar I, bear I remember. Video, yeah, the where polar I said bear. more polar bears. Where we got, didn't we get suspended for... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we, I even did the interview with the scientist who yeah, did the study. Yeah, yeah. Who literally for lack of a better description went out there and Susan, counted polar... Uh, Susan... Yeah. Crockford, I think. Yeah, yes. Something exactly. like that. Right close. There. It's yes, close. Yes. She literally counted the yeah, polar bears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more well, clear you know, it's in, than it's, that. She did it, and 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 like a decade before, I, I remember reading a piece in the Wall Street Journal where someone else had done it mm-hmm. and had reported that the polar bears were not only doing okay from a population point of view, but they were, and it's still a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. for for people in those regions these polar bears come into a town they did just wreak havoc right no they're a nuisance for people it's a yeah. lot like the wolves are yeah and yeah. i, I yeah. myself have a very big soft spot for animals and stuff yeah that's what i was going to do before i got into politics is work with large animals like that as a veterinarian oh so i didn't know that yeah so it still makes me sad to hear about mm. dead polar bears you know but I, I think it would make anyone sad but because it's lies it's hard to you know, it, it's it's hard for me to get behind it or anything, of course, because it's lies. But I can get why normal people, they see, oh, this polar bear is on this chunk of ice that's the size of, you know, this table that we're at, and it's the last of its kind. Of course, they're going to all come out in support of, of, of a radical action against climate change. No one wants to see polar bears die. You know, no one wants to see the Great Barrier Reef be destroyed, which is one thing that, you know, as Michael Schellenberger will admit, is actually something that's a problem that, that humans could do better. And And there are things when it comes to the climate that humans can do better. There are things definitely when it comes to environmental issues, there's no doubt. I, I, I hate the argument that's just, you know, the leftist cut and dry argument that conservatives are just trying to kill the earth. I mean, in well, many ways, we care more than, than them. I agree. I agree on all points. We, there's, there's much that we can do, but it doesn't have to be 
it doesn't have to, we don't have to arrest human progress. It's just the reverse. I mean, we have to put all our ingenuity into, into place to solve the problem. I mean, one, the people are doing very, I know some, some of these people, they're doing very interesting research on small nuclear power plants. Mm -hmm, I heard about that, this, yeah. this should be a major, uh, major national effort, mm -hmm. but nobody wants to hear about it because the environmentalists hate nuclear power. Right. No, they'd rather see Solyndra go $500 million bankrupt. That's more important to them because it's about ideology. It's not about actually helping because they're not changing their lifestyles at all. You know, but think about something like the, the, the flash drive. You know, the flash drive was created and because of something like that, so simple, you can put your files on it. You right. go and save millions of trees, all this paper. Right. Right. And this is just some guy. This that's a, that's a great, it's a great example it's of a free market, innova just, just innovation. Free market makes it, makes it happen. Right. Yeah. It's not through some government program like Solyndra or any of these subsidies, anything like that. It is through innovation of people who want to make a product that's going to help people and that people actually say, hey, this helps the environment. I'm all about it. Like that search engine, uh, Ecosia. Have you heard of that? It's kind of like a competitor to Google. I haven't, I, it's, I've heard, heard about it, but I haven't used it yet. Yeah, I don't know how, how well it works in terms of politics or anything like that. But still, you know, it's some sort of alternative by the market that says, hey, anytime you search on our platform, we're going to try and plant some trees. You know, it's like those hmm. types of hmm. things can be created, but it takes the, 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 the government to get rid of regulation enough to say, hey, you can actually go out and do these things without being taxed to death as a small business to try and start something as a new innovation, right? But we, we just don't have that anymore. So I want to get back to the issue of Russia because it, and Ukraine, because you, you've raised such an interesting point that I really hadn't considered. And that, it's, it's really, uh, we're, we're in a, just at this moment, we're in a unique situation. It's the argument I'm making and the argument you're making. So you have made the point that you're, you are so distrustful, and I agree with you about what the news reports, that you aren't totally clear, understandably, as to what your position is on the Ukraine-Russia situation. That's exactly right. So the the to me, why this is so interesting is because the media, the news media has completely destroyed your trust of them. Yes. So when there is a situation which, in my opinion, is black and white, mm -hmm. you understandably say, wait a second, they, are they basically lie about everything. I can't everything. trust them from anything. So why am I suddenly supposed to make a, a turn here and, and, and trust that? they're they're doing the right thing now or they're telling me anything resembling the truth now this this shows you how pernicious it is to have a media which is so tilted to one side of the political spectrum i mean ideally you want a media that's essentially right down the middle reports the facts they can have an opinion side but on, on the reporting side, you want it to be, you just, you want to know the information you need to know mm -hmm. and you want to be able to more or less to the extent it's possible, trust that information, but you can't do that anymore. No, not at all. I mean, even the wall street journal, I mean, I, I've been reading the wall street journal since I was, you know, in high school. Well, you have, you have to draw a distinction between the wall street journal opinion page and the yeah. wall street journal reporting on the right. reporting side. They're, they're like pretty much like everybody else yeah. on the opinion side. They're, they're center right. I mean, yeah. they've obviously been 
dubious about some things we're not dubious about. Right. But right. and 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 that's been a little disturbing. But yeah. But yeah. But overall, it's the the damage done can't be undone mm-hmm. by one clear example of an issue where it's a black and white situation. I think there's a good social- guy and a bad guy, and 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 it's pretty easy to tell who is whom. I think socially as a country, when we look at at how people respond to things and every person who's in college right now or high school who's some leftist, they hear something on the news and there's conservatives too. conservatives the same way. They hear something on the news and they think, oh, my goodness, I better pick and pick a side and pick some sort of opinion right now. Otherwise, I'm not going to be accepted into my uh, majority political group or my majority socially, morally accepted group. And I think that because of social media has exacerbated that. And so instead of people taking a step back and looking more at things, you have all these people who are just jumping on it and saying, oh, it's all Ukraine or some, you know, weirdo people saying, oh, Putin, like whatever. But you have people just jumping on something so quick because they're scared of the alienation of not choosing a side. And myself, I'm coming and saying, I don't care about the alienation. I don't, I don't care about, you know, what other people are thinking. I care about the truth. And, and for me, just with everything that's happened, I just have not been able to discern what the truth is. And I can't make a clear distinction on myself to say what is really going on. And if I can't do that, then I'm not going to come out and act like I have some, some strong stance, you know? Well, I think that's good. Fine. Yeah. You know, you're waiting for more information before you, you make your decision. We disagree only in the sense, I think there's a, there is enough information now to, to make a determination on again, who's right and who's wrong in this single case. Right. But I, I understand your ambivalence based on what all the all the untruths, all the fabrications, all the lies that have been told before this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the COVID stuff. I mean, my political ideology since starting at PragerU versus when the COVID stuff really started getting off has changed dramatically, you know, because of everything that, that it was told by the media and everything that other people were doing and seeing the reactions and how we were treated and how the people reacted to that treatment. I mean, it really was a life changing well, situation. I, I, for yeah, not just I, me, I agree. I, yeah, I agree with you. I you agree know? with you there. It, it, it shattered a lot of beliefs that I held mm-hmm. and those beliefs have changed and right. I've had to reorient myself because of that. Yeah. But I'd like to say on behalf of Prager you and people listening and watching, that's what we want to do. What we want to help our audience do is determine the truth for themselves. And we're only interested in presenting the truth the, as we see it, backed up by the facts that we have gathered. Right. But ultimately, it's up to you, the, the viewer, the listener, to decide where, where you come down. And all we're, we've ever been interested is in is having a fair debate. Mm-hmm. If you want to come down on a side that disagrees with PragerU because you've weighed the evidence, fine. Our our contention is that rarely is the evidence weighed. Mm-hmm. It's just there's just one side presented. Right. That so young people especially have just literally been surrounded. F- three a three sixty force field, and in, in which they've only received one point of view. We're trying to pr- we're trying to 
to penetrate that force field and, and get what we think is the truth to you, you decide whether you agree with us. Right. No, I mean, that's exactly true. That's what happened to me. It's the basis for the show, your show. Right, exactly. And the basis of all the five-minute videos we do and every everything we do. Yeah. I think when I was when I was talking a little bit before about, you know, being rocked by COVID and my opinions on things changed and everything, I think you can tell me if this is true for you, but I think for a lot of people that the things that, that we were talking about in the political debate before COVID looking now seems they seem a lot less important with the more that you learn about how the world works and things going on. Right. Like there's a lot of issues that we kind of talked about that just weren't as important when you actually look at it from a bigger lens and see, Oh my goodness, here's what the government can actually do to a people here's here. There's a lot more intricacy intricacies to the free market and how it works with, with our, our lobbying system in America, like all sorts of things. Are, right. Because are everything became just was so intensified. I yeah. mean, crony capitalism was a, was a serious issue before COVID. Right. And then during COVID, this whole issue of where the government favored big big business and mm. completely shut down small business. It was so shocking. You just, you didn't think it such a thing could happen. Yeah. Certainly couldn't happen in the U S and then it did. Right. Well, it's put the left wing populace and the right wing populace in the same camp. Now. I mean, in a lot of ways I feel like I have more similarities in a lot of my political beliefs to someone who is more of a left wing populist than to, you know, Mitch McConnell or something like that. You know, how do you feel? Well, th this this is kind of the basis of the this the kind of this new blue collar working class aspect to the Republican Party. That yeah. It's not the country club anymore that where the where the party's base has has moved. It's it's to working people. It's always been small businessmen because uh, small business people because they know that basically they're on their own and all they ever want is for the government to leave them alone. So much of small business is just the effort of pushing the government off you so you can actually do something worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But now with, and this is something that president Trump plugged into clearly that the, the, the working class person, the person who's just, Try, try, is making a living, has, has a good job in a, in a factory or in a mine or whatever they happen to be doing, is just simply an afterthought to big government. Mm -hmm. uh, forgotten people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot what my next book is going to be about, is about this, this type of how people who are this middle class, or not middle class, but middle of America type of people have been forgotten in this country in favor of the big business in favor of the cosmopolitan type of of person who's focused on social media issues and moral leftist issues versus you know real values that we teach here at prager you in a lot of ways i think i think that that seems to be the fight that we're heading towards the most important thing i think when it when it comes to this world economic forum stuff and the COVID and russia ukraine i think that most people coming together can agree that just our government is too big and they're too in line with these big businesses. And that shouldn't be a right and left issue anymore. It should be something that we should be able to come together on to say, as an average American, you should be able to live on one income with your family, uh, provide for them, uh, uh, not have your, your price of education be so high, not have your price of health care be so high, all of these things. You know, do you agree? 
Yes, I agree. And I, I, I look, I think there could be, it's very easy to be pessimistic about the future. I tend to be more optimistic. There's my favorite social thinker, George Gilder Mm -hmm. has a great phrase, which I cite all the time, which is the people change as fast as minds change. And I think we're at a point where a whole bunch of stuff has happened and people's minds are being changed and they recognize that we just drifted way, way too far, that, that the left has dragged the country to a place where most of the country just simply does not want to be. And the government, I, I was just reading kind of, I was just reading a, a, a biography of, of Warren Harding and the author of, because we're doing a, a PragerU video on Harding, and the author was making a very interesting point that before the, the really the Wilson administration, the average General. citizen almost had nothing to do with the, the federal government. And the federal government was just not a part of the citizen's life. No. I mean, it could be the city government. Maybe, maybe there's something with the state government, but not the federal government. Now, you, there's nothing the federal government isn't involved in. Mm-hmm. One of the forgotten things that I thought President Trump wanted to do, obviously didn't get a chance to do it, was move all these departments out of Washington, like the agricultural department, they wanted to move it to Kansas. I mean, Mm -hmm. stuff like that would be a great idea. Yeah, or just fire everyone, either one. Or just... Fire everyone. Yeah, or just fire everyone. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I I don't know if you read Democracy in America, Tocqueville. Yeah, yeah. And and just talking about the administrative state, that that was his his biggest fear. Right, and it's it's happened. It has happened. It's happened. Definitely. Yeah. To a greater degree than I think he could have even imagined. But, you know, he talked about in that book that that the country is saved by religious values. That you have a, a religious people and you won't have these types of issues that he would foresee. And I think that as America itself, and especially Western Europe, has, has lost a Christian, those types of values from the Bible, Judeo-Christian values, it's turned us into this way. We've put so much reliance on the government, put so much reliance on big business to take care of us that we no longer feel like we have any sort of meaning. Well, so we de Tocqueville to made a, a big, big point of saying, uh, talking about, about the, indi- the individual, mm-hmm. but he didn't mean in the individual in terms of being selfish he meant right. the individual in terms of being self-reliant right america the the whole purpose of the constitution is just to protect the individual's right to make his way in the world that's the whole that's what they set up so people could be free to do what they wanted obviously within the bounds of the law mm-hmm. now we're we're all tied up with endless red tape and it, it's harder and harder for the individual to make his way in the world on, on his own merit, on his own reliance. Right. Yeah, I talk about this with Craig, and he always says that I'm being a baby. Because <laughs> I talk about, you know, the realities of, of where we are as a country when it comes to the middle class dying, to the red tape, to, to the cost of housing and medical care and all these different things that have gone up exponentially. Right. The, the way past inflation, right, and then also inflation. And, you know, he said that, you know, there's always a way that people can 
still make it, even with all the obstacles. You don't want to complain. And I agree with him in a sense that there is a, a level of, of still there's some complaining aspect when it comes to all this kind of stuff. But to deny that it has gotten harder is also an admission of, of false. It's also false to say. I agree. I mean, I, I agree. Look, there's, there's uh, the, the guy who created Home Depot, mm-hmm. Bernie Marcus, has said on many occasions, there's no way he could have created Home Depot today. There's just too many, too many government regulations. He couldn't have done it. Right. So we, we definitely need to downsize the government. Yeah. People, we need people to rely more on themselves. There's this hierarchy of the individual to the family, to the community, to the state, to the country, and then to the world. We need, mm-hmm. we need to sort of reestablish, get, get a better sense of that. Yeah. When people say, you know, we have to do this you know, from the left all the time, we have to do this for society. We have to do this for society for the greater good. And it's like, what is society? It's just a group of individuals. Right. If you make good individuals, right. you'll have a good society. That, that, it, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. The well, healthy individual creates a healthy family, mm-hmm. which creates a healthy society, which creates a healthier state, healthier country. Before we go, Alan, give everyone, if you, if you have anything, a, a word of encouragement for, for the future, because you said you're optimistic, you know, which is different than what Dennis says. So I, I would, I'd be curious to know your, your message of optimism. Well, I do. I, I, I have an abiding faith in the American people. I just, I just believe in the American spirit. I don't think it's been extinguished. And the left has tried very, very hard to do just that. But we see examples of the American spirit, the true American spirit, flourishing everywhere all the time. It's like you can't fully suppress it. To your point about COVID, they they have they this is the this is the ultimate this has been the ultimate attempt. I didn't think it was possible that they would go as far as they did. And I think people were, many people were caught off guard. And then for people like you and me, we were also very disappointed that there wasn't, there wasn't more resistance to these mindless restrictions that mm-hmm. simply had nothing to do with science, had everything to do with power and politics. Yeah. But it, you can repress it for a while, but not for, for long. So you, the obvious examples are uh, what happened in Virginia and what happened in Loudoun County, what's happening at school boards all over the country, that people are getting, are, are prepared to reclaim their lives and what they love about America. I, I, think, I think it's possible, and I actually think it's possible. It can happen faster than we realize. We need to reach a certain kind of critical mass. I mean, this is... PragerU is all about trying to educate people in the basic values that you talked about, Judeo-Christian values, American values that are responsible for creating the most prosperous, most opportunity-laden. It's still, for all its flaws, it's still, I mean, people are lining up in embassies like they always have all over the world to come to the U.S. legally, let alone illegally. Right. So... The country still is a beacon. There is a reason. Yeah. It hasn't been extinguished. Yeah. And if we work very hard and, and 
people join with us in the fight, we can we can reclaim our American heritage, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And you're right. It's not just about economic things that people are lined up to come into America. It's the values. People understand what this country represents. This country is hope for the world. And that's a, that's really a beautiful thing. And it is exactly what you're saying. About nobody should get, places. nobody should give up on it. No. And th- even though the result cannot be guaranteed, what can be guaranteed is the effort to fight for it. Right. What can be guaranteed is your personal effort to fight for it because it's just worth preserving. This is the best place in the world to live. I'm not, I'm for one, not prepared to just step aside and say, okay, leftists, you, 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 you take control. Cause we know what happens when they take control. Right. Right. There's examples all over the place right. throughout history and, and right now. Yeah. And I said this, I've said this before on the show, but this is a revolution of normal people. It's a revolution of normal Americans who are sick of what they see. It's so it, like- it's, it's again, just because it's on my mind, because we're doing this just after we finish today, I'm going to be meeting with Amity Schles, who's, who's going to be right, presenting yeah. these videos. Mm-hmm. The it's funny that uh, Warren Harding, not, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have thought, Will, mm-hmm. that Warren Harding would get into this conversation today, but so I was Warren, Warren's Har- Warren Harding, his, uh, administrate his campaign slogan. This is after Wilson and, and world war one and terrible inflation. His slogan was return to normalcy and will he won. This is Warren Harding, Mm -hmm. one of the least appreciated presidents of all our presidents. He won the, his election in 1920 by the largest margin of any president up to that point. He got 60% of the vote. I think people are pretty tired of Wilson, I can assume. They were tired of Wilson, and they wanted normalcy. They wanted to go back to the way the world was without all these, because Wilson was the guy who really brought in, the he he really introduced in a major way the administrative state, mm-hmm. and yeah. people said, no, we, that's not what we want. That's not America. Right. And they elected Harding, who was not a major political figure before his nomination. Right. I think that's how 2024 is going to be. I can only assume that that's what it's going to look like. I mean, already 2022 we'll, we'll, is shaping up that we way. We shouldn't uh, count any any chickens, but it it could happen. Right, it could happen. Return to normalcy. Maybe, Return to normalcy. Maybe we need it. We <laughs> listen. That's going to be my campaign slogan. I'm not it the could most work. normal guy. Could but, work. Yeah. Well, it could work. Yeah. Return to normalcy. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate well, it. Well, it's a, a pleasure. Yeah. Always a pleasure. And guys, if you're here watching the show, if you're up, make sure you go to the Will and Amla live channel on YouTube. If you're here on PragerU, you can go to that YouTube channel. Subscribe there because, I don't know, in a couple of months, a couple of weeks, we're going to be moving solely over to that channel on YouTube. So we will no longer be on the PragerU channel. Also, though, you can get our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you like this video. Comment your thoughts down below. We're going to see you tomorrow. See you guys.